Security clearance level 3 or above is required to access files. Command codes verified. Welcome back to GGR Pirate Radio. Um, let's go ahead and we'll, we'll jump back into uh, the geek sheets here. Uh, we'll go with the stuff that just that we just released this week, which is going to be... Um, well, Steve, you wrote it. It's time for the Geek Sheets. Here's the big news this week in the geeky, nerdy world. So, yeah, if you like Disney-owned properties, buckle up, because we're talking about them. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, um, yeah, go ahead, man. You know, we've been, we've been talking comic books and, and that kind of stuff, so... Let's we'll we'll get back to, to the two Marvel topics, but let's move on to something. Yeah, I mean, obviously it has its comic books, but it's more of a film. And back to Star Wars, uh, we touched on a little bit in the Star Trek conversation, uh, and we actually talked about it. This very idea, uh, we talked about. Hey, one legitimate reason that I, at least my opinion, that a person could have is saying, you know what. I kind of wish they weren't releasing this thing because they're just doing too much and the quality is getting diluted and they need to slow down, not stop releasing stuff. I still like what they're doing, but just slow it down to increase the quality and really put put a pair of eyes on it. And it sounds like that's what Disney's planning on doing with Star Wars. Um, they had this self-scheduled uh, uh, idea of doing one Star Wars movie every single year as soon as they bought Lucasfilm. And so far they've held to that. Um, but I mean, there's obviously some mixed feelings on, on how the last Jedi turned out and then box office wise, Han Solo was a huge disappointment. Uh, personally, that was one of my favorite out of the new star Wars stuff. Even if you want to include the prequels, that's one of my favorite things they've released. So maybe I just particularly like Ron Howard's style or, or whatever, but that's just me. Um, but the box office did not return what they expected. So uh bob Iger has has made a statement he's disney's ceo that they're slowing down on star wars not stopping it but they might hit a point where they're not releasing a new star wars movie in in a particular calendar year i don't think it's a bad idea i i here's the thing there's for a certain segment of the population there's nothing you can do that will ever be right with star wars Period. It, it's they, they take the original trilogy, which, I mean, I love, but they deify it. And they make it like it was this like thing that one day George Lucas was touched by the hand of God. And God, he was a conduit, and he wrote all of these scripts and came up with these amazing movies that are perfect in every way, shape, and form, and had nothing wrong with them. Well, first off, that's crap, because there was plenty wrong with them. And the dialogue was ham-fisted at times. Like, it's, but that's the thing, is it was fun. Who cares, right? But the fact that people just continue to think that just because it's not exactly the way that they envisioned it when they were a kid or that it's a little bit different or the characters look a little bit different or there's women now or there's black guys now who are superheroes, that that's not a problem. And I think Disney is – the problem is is they're taking this very vocal minority and making them sound like they're a majority. And that's not a good thing. It's it, you're, you're catering to every single whim, and that's not going to help anybody in the long run. 
Now, well, you know what they say about the squeaky wheel. Now, I don't yeah. want to interrupt you, but oh, I just no, want to good. throw something in because I think this is particularly interesting in terms of George Lucas and Star Wars. Mike, do you know why George Lucas did Star Wars? Because he couldn't get the rights to Flash Gordon. Ah, exactly. <laughs> and I laugh about that because can you imagine what the world would be like if he'd have been able to get the rights to Flash Gordon, we wouldn't have any of this. <laughs> we wouldn't. I mean, he couldn't secure those rights, and so he had to make up his own thing. And as it turned out, his own thing was, I don't want to say better, because Alex Raymond's Flash Gordon is timeless and all of that. But, you know, I mean, I, I think Star Wars arguably had a considerably greater impact on the broader culture <laughs> over time, you know, but I, that just cracks me up. It's like, Oh, if he'd, if he'd have gotten flash Gordon, we didn't never even been having this conversation. Yeah, true. Um, well, I mean, I, the only snarky remark that I have to that is uh, queen never wrote a song about star Wars, but they did write a song about <laughs> flash Gordon. So just putting that out there. I don't know if Bill Murray's ever sang a song about flash Gordon. So check me. star Wars, nothing but, Star Wars. Yeah, I would have yeah. liked to have seen Buster Crab in Flash in Star in Star Wars somewhere. <laughs> Best they could do was sneak him in as a cameo in the uh, Buck Rogers TV series. Jeez, um, I the whole the whole thing is, and maybe I'm a Mark because I mean we're we're talking about a guy who who goes with his family to Disney World twice a year. Um, so I'm not necessarily anything against anything Star Wars. Like, I, as far as I'm concerned, it's the more the better. Um, I think that pacing it out a little bit and saying, okay, hey, we're going to go two years between Star Wars flicks. Again, not a, not a horrible thing, because then what it's going to do is it's going to build uh, anticipation. It's going to really let them refine and think about, like, hey, is this the path that we want to go with this? Is this what we want to do? Um I don't think Solo had – I don't think any there was anything wrong with Solo. I think the fact is is literally there is a finite amount of money that people can spend at the theater. And this is a, the perfect example that I can compare this to is it was going up against, mind you, right after Avengers Infinity War came out, which was easily the biggest movie of the year. Like nobody can, can contest that. But look at like the summer of 1989 when you had – uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Star Trek V, Batman, uh, Back to the Future 3, uh, Lethal Weapon 2. You had all of these movies come out. Some of these movies didn't make a lot of a lot of money that year. Um, like, for instance, um, Major League, the, um, the Tom Berenger and um, what's his name? Charlie Sheen movie, uh, the baseball one about the Indians. Mm -hmm. Those all came out in the same year, and a lot of those didn't make a lot of money. But that doesn't make them any less good movies. Like they ended well, up, they didn't cost as much to make either. I mean, you know, the main yeah. thing with uh, solo, a star Wars story, you know, these star Wars movies, yeah, they cost easily 200 million. And that's just the production costs. I mean, you figure in the marketing, yeah, you know, the, they, they have to make a certain amount of money in order to make their nut. Yeah. And, you know, so you, you gamble a lot. I mean, it, it, let, solo made, and this is just the domestic gross. It made like $213 million. Now, for a $200 million movie to be deemed a failure, I mean, this is, <laughs> your, your, your scale is different than the way you calculate success and failure for an ordinary movie. 
Yeah. You know, but when you consider that Star Wars The Force Awakens made, again, domestically, over $900 million and billions on the worldwide market, you know, you got to figure Disney was like, hey, this is an absolute goldmine for us. I mean, I think they paid Lucas $4 billion, and it's noteworthy to me with that. He didn't actually take that money. He turned around and he donated it to like educational causes or something. Now, when when you've got somebody who has enough money that they can give away four billion dollars, that's I, the mind. It, it boggles the mind. Is all I can say. Yeah. You know what else boggles the mind? Between the, if I'm remembering correctly, I might be a little bit off on this, but Black Panther. Uh, uh, Infinity War and Ant-Man and the Wasp made enough to pay for Star Wars this year for Disney. Yeah, uh, that sounds about right. Like when they bought you it, you just think about you just think about like, well, they paid so much for the Star Wars property. It's like, oh, we'll make that in three movies. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Well, not mm-hmm. only did they make it with that, they made it with The Force Awakens. They made it with uh, Rogue One. They made it with. Uh, the Last Jedi, which people can talk trash about it all you want. It was one of the best-selling movies of the year, period. And, yeah. and we're not even yeah. talking about the other merchandise. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that because, um, you know, earlier this week um, – uh, oh, crap. Um, co-producer – Gary Kurtz. Gary yeah, Kurtz yeah, passed, passed away. away yeah. And, um, you know, he co-produced Star Wars – and the Empire Strikes Back, but then he and Lucas had a falling out. And he actually protected Lucas. Star Wars was over budget. It was running over in terms of the time limit. 20th Century Fox wanted to pull the plug on that movie several times because they had no idea what in the heck it was going to be. And Gary Kurtz went to bat for Lucas. Now, um, what happened after that, because he was ultimately replaced uh, when they got around to doing Return of the Jedi, and um, what happened was that the falling out they had was about the overall quality of the movies. Kurtz wanted to go in one direction, but Lucas was trying to protect the viability of the toys. And because just from the first movie alone, I remember seeing this, uh, the data on this back in like 1978 or 79, uh, based on the popularity of Star Wars and uh, uh, episode four <laughs> for the uninitiated. Um, you know, a new hope they could have continued projections were they could have sold toys for another 20 years if they'd have made no other movies. And then they started coming out with more movies, the toys, the merchandising is what drives this whole thing. And so Kurtz wanted to go in one direction, but Lucas was like, if we go darker, if we go like that, we won't do as well on the toys. We want to sell the toy, you know, because uh, as it happened, uh, Lucas's deal gave him control of the merchandising. And it was like, oh, <laughs> this is very, very lucrative. I think I'm going to continue to get myself paid because he saw himself going in another direction. He was going to be like this avant-garde filmmaker, and he wasn't going to be the guy who you know, suddenly was directing popular culture in America and possibly the world based on this so yeah that point about the merchandising is huge i want to also point out too because i I just find it i find it amusing that so many 
that every article I read says that The Last Jedi was divisive among fans. I don't think it was. And, and, and here's to my point. This is a movie that made that was $317 million budget. So that's a big movie. This is, it was the eighth most expensive film ever made. It made $1.32 billion. Billion. $1.32 billion. That's a lot of flipping money. But not only that, on top of that, um, on Google, it has a 73% like rating. On IMDb, 7.2. Rotten Tomatoes, 91. Metacritic, 85. So what does that tell you? It tells you that the it goes right back to that squeaky wheel thing that you said, Yuli, is it is a vocal minority that did not like this movie. And those are the ones that Disney's paying attention to. Like that that well, just that blows my mind. Your money is there. You're already making money off of this film and people are still buying it. The, it, the Blu-ray sales, it's been the number one Blu-ray selling Blu-ray for like weeks now. Um or for months since it came out. Um I want to say Deadpool 2 took a chunk out of that, but still, like, it sold really, really well. People continue to buy this movie. Uh, I it, I don't even know. Is Solo out yet on Blu-ray or, like, out on digital? I think out, it's out digitally. It just came out this week. Okay. It came out digitally two weeks ago, and it came oh. out this past Tuesday. Oh, really? I didn't realize that. Yeah, I got to watch it. I haven't yeah, seen it yet, so I'll, I'll yeah. definitely pick it up. Like, Dude, it's so good. Yeah, I've, and that's what yeah, I've I I really liked it. And this guy, Aaron Rich, who was playing it, he was – I thought he was great. I, my hope had been that it was going to be successful because I wanted to see him play young Han Solo some more. <laughs> I really liked it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll definitely check it out. Like Core audience, though. Yeah. Core audience in terms of your point about uh, you know the, these fans – and that makes a huge difference in terms of all of these studios. I mean, you know, the reason people have accused Hollywood of uh, lacking creativity and falling back on all these reboots. That's not what it is at all. They, they want to maximize the likelihood that the various things they do are going to be successful. And when you know there is a existing established core audience that is likely to patronize your thing, you know, you, you do that. I mean, and you know that these people are going to pay money to go see it. And so when you have your core audience that is like, well, we don't like it, you risk damaging the franchise. Now, you know, of course, for a movie like The Force Awakens, I mean, that came at the right time. It had been years since a new Star Wars movie had come out. There was this hunger for the thing. But The Last Jedi didn't do as well. And... You know, it, it, hey, there were people who were more casual fans who didn't even go to see um, uh, Solo, a Star Wars story. You know? I'm one of so, them. That's a perfect example. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even see this, and I'm a huge Star Wars fan. You didn't see Solo? No, I didn't. And You're it's kidding. There was no reason for it other than I just, I just didn't get around to it. And Damn. yeah, and like <laughs> if you really I would have described you as the core audience though. Well, like... I, and that's the thing is I'm going to see it on Blu-ray and I will pay money to see it because I am still a Star Wars fan. That's the thing is like you can't just judge something just by who wants to go to the movie theaters because honestly, I'm not a movie theater person anymore. I used to love it and I still really love going to the movies, but I don't have time. We were talking about this. You want to know where you want to know where I have time to write and do podcasts and spend time with my son? It's cuz I don't go to the movies. <laughs> like it's <laughs> Well, I'm surprised your son didn't say, "Daddy, we got to go see this. Let's I, go." I asked him if he would go see it with me and we ended up going and seeing um crap, what do we go see instead? 
I want to say it was Lego Ninjago as we went and saw that. Because <laughs> he wanted to go see that. And I'm, and I'm not going to be like, no, let's go see what dad wants. Like, he's, he's a kid, man. I got to take him to what he wants to go see. Uh, so. may, maybe they need to be studying your house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. But, like, that's that's normally when we go to the theaters, if he goes with me, it's, it's to see something that he wants to see. Yeah. Um, because yeah. I don't want to be that dad who forces yeah, you're what i love that's you're, i was gonna say yeah. the same thing i'm yeah. never gonna force him to watch the stuff that i want to watch like i i slightly nudged him towards watching star wars and he enjoyed those um i made him watch the iron giant that's the one movie i made him watch i was like you gotta watch the iron giant and he was like i'm so glad you made me watch this movie is awesome as he's like tearing up at the end and i was like i told you man i know what i'm talking about so yeah. Well, then he ought to trust Dad. And when Dad says, hey, let's go see Solo, a Star Wars story, he needs yeah. to be, I'm all in, Dad. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, I know he's a Star Wars fan. When we went to uh, Disney World and uh, we were in Hollywood Studios where they have the Star Tours ride, and he said to me, he was like, Dad, I want to make my own lightsaber. And I was like, you're goddamn right you do. And like <laughs> we, we went and he constructed one. He's like, can I make Darth Vader's lightsaber? And I was like, oh, God, Aww. yes, you can. Of course you can. Yeah. you're raising a sith (laughs) yeah well you know i'll I'll turn it back to the good side eventually it skips a generation yuli i mean just you know it happens exactly (laughs) yeah (laughs) so let's um let's let's transition steve into our next topic all right so let's let's do this so the the next story i have um very simply put, I actually like a lot of the topics we're talking about. I want to like use the piece of news as a stepping stone to like a broader topic. Um, so Disney announced that in their upcoming streaming service, they're taking um, some of their popular characters um, from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, in this case, Scarlet Witch and Loki, and they're going to develop their own television shows that are exclusive to that new Disney streaming service. So people are very excited about that. People like Scarlet Witch. People like Loki. People like the actors that portray them. Their look and character as it relates to the source material, et cetera, et cetera. So um, we were just talking about going to the movies and how that's more of a rarity than it used to be. It used to be, yeah, go to the movies whenever. I see two movies a week. Who cares? Um, They're a lot more expensive, too. (laughs) They're they're so expensive. they're time consuming and hell I watch less commercials at home than I do at the movie. Theater, <laughs> right. Think yeah. About that Isn't that something? Yeah. And so they start having commercials at the movies. It's like, oh, oh yeah. I mean, other than, other than YouTube and if I'm watching on my computer, I have an ad blocker on that bad boy. Um, so, <laughs> right. you know, I mean, it's, it's rare for me to watch commercial. I mean, if I'm on YouTube or, or uh, Netflix, Hulu, I don't have to worry about that crap. Um, so with, with, with the overall theater experience, we were talking about these movies making tremendous profits at the box office and everything like that. But yet we're all talking like, yeah, we go to maybe like one, two movies here and there when we can, just because of a time issue. Then we just wait for it to come on, on home service. Do we think with the plethora of services that are coming out? So Disney has its own Hulu, Netflix, Amazon prime. I'm sure there's a couple other ones that'll pop up. I mean, every station has stuff streaming from their particular website etc etc um do you guys think that these like huge blockbusters would you pay say like 50 bucks to watch it the same day it's released in theaters to be able to watch it at home no like it's like a no it's like a rental (laughs) no No? 
<laughs> no. I, what I what dollar amount would like let's okay, let's put it this way. You pay would you pay what dollar amount would you pay for a streaming service that is exclusively new releases you can watch the second week they come uh, after they are released in theaters? Twenty bucks a month. And you want to know you why? Know, I- and, and here's my justification on this. And and I'm, I'm sorry, Yuli, after um, you can No, 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 that's fine. Um, 20 bucks a month, and here's why. Because if you think about it, one movie to go see in the theaters is about, now it's about 15, almost 20 bucks, isn't it? Depending on the city you're in. And depending on whether you're going to IMAX or 3D yeah. or all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, if you're hitting a weekend, you know, pr- you know, prime time or a Tuesday matinee, obviously yeah. the prices will be different there too. So I would pay 20 bucks a month because, one, there might be some months where I only want to watch one movie that comes out. And then there might be other months where I want to watch five or six. It- it's not – if they want my money, give it to me at home because I consume a ton of media – on my laptop or on my smart TV or on my phone. Like I've watched all of Iron Fist. I've watched all of Luke Cage. I caught up on season one of Jessica Jones. Um, I watched all of the first season of Castle Rock. Um, I, I we, we just consume media in our household. My wife watches a ton of stuff. And ultimately, isn't that what they want from all of us is for us to consume the thing, talk about it, share it, and continue to pay for the service that we have. Like that that's what I would do. I would buy this Disney service if it was 20 bucks a month because I know that we're going to get access to the entire catalog of Disney stuff and all their new stuff that they're doing too. Like it's this is what the world is coming to. And like I I I used to love going to the movie theaters and I still will, would go to the movie theaters, but not when it's it's going to cost me almost as much as it would cost me to go buy three or four movies and bring them home or what it cost me in one month instead of one trip to get Hulu and Netflix. Like it's I, I right now we're paying, I, I want to say it's like less than 15 bucks a month for Hulu and Netflix. Why would I spend 15 bucks for one movie? That's only two hours long. That might not even be that good. Like it's when, when you can, yeah, like with Netflix, you can, if you don't like it, you can stop it and you can be like next and move on. And it, it's just a much better system. And the older I get, the more I'm realizing I like this. And actually, for stuff that I love, like comic books, like Star Wars, like Star Trek, I like this long format where you can tell a really good story over 10 hours as opposed to trying to fit all of it into a two to two and a half hour window. Mm, yeah, I like that too. And like, and I think there's something still to be said for a film though, you know, like, like a, a one condensed story. Um, and I think that's why like so much is being pushed towards making things cinematic universes or making things, these interconnected stories or whatnot um, is because like you said, a it's easier to tell a good story when it's episodic, as opposed to, I got two hours to say everything I'm going to say about these characters. Whereas, Hey, I got like four, five, 10, 20 movies to tell whatever stories I need to tell. Yeah. Um, and then, and then additionally, obviously, if you're making one movie, you make one box office profit. If you make 10 movies, you make 10 box office profits and all the different things that go along with it. So, I mean, from a financial standpoint and an artistic standpoint, it just makes sense to do it that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I think with, with technology and, and the affordability of electronics compared to what it used to be 20 years ago, uh, I mean, you essentially can have the quality of a theater 
in your home reasonably cost effectively um, from both visually and audio standpoint. Um, So then, you know, yeah, you're not paying for gas. You're not dealing with it with the crowds and everything like that. To me, yeah, there's a little bit of a surcharge I would pay to have access to a new release, Blu-ray quality, even if it's like a rental, like a one-off. You know, hey, you can rent, you know, you can go to the theater and pay 20 bucks for it, or you can pay 25, watch it once. It costs a little bit extra to, to, to watch it at home, but all in, it's less stressful and less dealing with everything. And you can watch it anytime you want. You get that one, you know, playthrough. It, it, like like you do when you rent it from like the Comcast or whatever. It's like, okay, you have oh, it gotcha, for 24 yeah. hours. Watch it as much as you want in that window. I would pay that. I would pay that for new movies. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I and, and I think that you are um, not unique in this, Steve. I think there are a lot of people that would do the exact same thing. Um, because a lot of people just don't want to leave their houses now. And that's there's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's a perfectly fine thing to be. The one thing that I miss about going to the movies is there was a certain amount of of regality to it of, of of like you felt like it was an event and I'll compare it to flying on an airplane where back in the day when people would get on an airplane they would wear suits and it was an yeah. event and it was a thing and the stewardesses were dressed nice and you got these fancy little meals but now when you if you go to the airport people are in sweatpants they're in their pajamas like it's just not a thing it's just it's not an event anymore. It's just a, a means to get from one place to the other. And I feel like movie theaters ha- have fallen into that same downgrade, essentially. Like when, when you, our parents, or even before that, their parents, you went to the movies and it was an event and it was a th- the lights and everything. Everything was about this spectacle, this, this great thing that you were going to see. And now it's just like, it's just another way of processing information for people and especially when you've got your phone when you've got your laptop that honestly if you really want to break it down probably might be better quality if you watch it on yours and you're not going to be involved with other people it's kind of the way that the world is going whether i agree or disagree with it i do miss the fact that it was an event i miss the fact that you got to go with other people and then immediately after you all discussed it now we do that on the internet, but of course you have some people who are like, hey, don't say anything. Spoiler alerts. You didn't have to worry or about spoiler tro- or alerts. Or trolling you. Bless Jedi sucked. You know, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It, exactly. Yeah. So like it's, I do miss that aspect of it. And um, I wonder if that's why we're seeing so many issues with them. Like Disney, for instance, really cracking down and making some really strict rules for it because they know they've got to they've got to get every single dollar out of this that they possibly can because they spent a lot of money to put this out here and and it's a very lucrative franchise it is yeah and you know, I'm just, one of perhaps the most lucrative in the history of the world yeah and, and the fact another thing I believe that gets overlooked too is is I don't think everyone realizes that for these production companies like their large hallmark blockbuster film typically pays for the smaller artistic ones as well that aren't necessarily going to break the bank but these are films that still need to get made and you got to pay for them somehow that's true these movies the profits that they're making aren't just you know lining the pockets of the executives and sure they certainly get their cut and everything but these are the things that fund future projects as well so if you like the smaller 
more indie style or the artistic ones, the, you know, the, the interesting movies or whatever. Ryan Johnson's films before The Last Jedi, for example, like Brick or whatever, um, you know, those don't get funded if Star Wars and Marvel and DC movies aren't ex- don't exist. Well, I can tell you that um, in terms of the bottom line, that may while that may be the fact, the studios don't look at it like that. They're looking at these, even the smaller films, to perform well. And you know, if if I mean, it isn't like oh yeah, hey gee, we'd we'd make your um, low budget film, but yeah, that solo a Star Wars story didn't do as well as we would like, you know. And in fact, one of the things that is creating some contra well, I don't want to say controversy, but it's creating issues now. Uh, in the film industry is this prevalence of the tentpole movies because that's not that's not supportable. You can't you can't keep doing this as what you're giving out to the public. I mean, you need your baby driver movies stuck up in there, and those are going to do well too. And in fact, you know, you look at a movie like uh, you know, like a Baby Driver or a Get Out, you know, and you know, it, it for costs relatively little to make, and then it makes a big splash. It makes a hundred million or a hundred and fifty million, and that's a big success for the studio. In fact, they like that more than they like these bigger movies where they, you know, because there's such a tremendous investment in the big tentpole movies, and that's part of what makes them unsustainable. And yet, there's this hunger on the part of the audience for those type of movies and uh, you know but again you can't make a, a bunch of those every year and expect that you're going to continue to uh, have a profitable enterprise overall you know now one of the thing that because i i, I want to pivot back real quick to something that you were talking about earlier in terms of uh the the art itself and i think some projects lend themselves more to being expressed uh, well and fully in two hours and other projects yeah you'd really be better off if you had 10 hours or 12 hours you know to disseminate that stuff and i look at you know the first iron man movie which i still believe is the best movie that marvel has released so far and then you compare that to you know like uh, george R. R. martin's uh, a Song of Ice and Fire, you know, Game of Thrones on HBO. Now, which is, lends itself more, you know, being a series of books, that lends itself more to this multi-episodic kind of yeah. presentation, you know? So <laughs> They have 10 episodes per season, except for the most recent ones, all an hour apiece, and that's still not enough for the fans to tell the stories. <laughs> you doing that in the film is preposterous. <laughs> Well, I tell you what, though, some of those stories, I mean, oh, my goodness. I mean, and especially this most recent season. I mean, and I, what I was waiting for with that, and I hate to digress, but I just got to say this. We brought up the dragons. When the dragons were born at the end of season one, I'm like, oh, they're going to get big one day. you know. And so now when they got big enough that, oh, they could be that that episode where she flew in on the big one and burned up the Lannister army. Oh, I man. was. I was screaming that whole time. I was that, just that like, episode, oh. the special effects and everything. I mean, I literally thought like, oh, someone's riding a real dragon around and like blowing dudes to pieces on this thing. Like, it sure looked like it. <laughs> gorgeous. Yeah, and even even some of the little uh, details there, because at one point, 
they gave you a shot of chaos on the battlefield. And this is after people had been burned up. And there was like a guy who was on the ground who was all ash and somebody stepped on him. And it was like, Boosh, you know, and I was like, oh, oh my God, you know, because oh, yeah. he was just ash. And I don't even, you know, I, I, I remember that shot just again for the detail because somebody stepped right in his chest and it was just boosh, you know, and it was like, oh my gosh. You know? That was like when they did the Battle of the Bastards and John oh. was getting like, like buried under oh. the dead bodies and he like couldn't breathe and was freaking <sighs> out. And like, you're sitting there having a panic attack with them or what? Like that was a beautifully directed scene where you're sitting oh, there like, was. I never want to fight in war. Like that's the whole moral of the entire series of books is that war equals sign bad uh, <laughs> yeah. no matter whose side you're on with all these heroes and stuff it's like yeah fighting and killing and all these people slaughtering each other when you actually see it pretty terrible yeah. uh it's not a video game kids uh so the that scene was that still gets me worked up dude yeah oh, that, that was, was beautiful that was a really good statement you just made made there steve because it's something that i really appreciate in certain modern aesthetics when it comes to movies because so many times war is depicted as this glorious, like honorable thing for people to do. And it's messy and horrible and frightening. And it's just awful. And like a perfect example of that, of that in the modern film, um, or at least the modern day type of war that we see, um, is if come you've on, ever watched uh, Black Hawk Down. Oh, oh, I thought you were going to say Saving Private Ryan. No. Because, <laughs> like, the that's, beginning of that, that to me. Oh, that's like, in, oh that's intense. God. That's intense, too. But, like, as far as, like, what it's like in the modern-day world of warfare. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Like, that, That to this day, I, I've only watched it once. I can't watch it again because it's, like... It, too much like being deployed it's like yeah exactly like it, i'm yeah. like no i'm good thanks it's a really it's a <laughs> so really, do i actually live through this shit <laughs> it's a really it's a really good movie. that was their intent right like yeah. their goal was to make it as lifelike as possible right yeah and it's and they they done they done a good job because it is mm. um you know that was one of the reasons why that saving private ryan was noteworthy to me because every other depiction i mean you know when they've done vietnam movies or you know them the stories about iraq or afghanistan it's been one thing but world war ii has always been depicted differently to me i mean all right i'll oh, grant yeah. you the pacific theater that was one thing but the european theater no it wasn't like that man i mean those landing crafts started coming the, the 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 things opened up and all of a sudden guys are getting shot in the head and oh yeah you know, i mean it's i was just like damn world war ii in the in in the european theater i've never seen it depicted like oh, yeah. that it was no joke and like before, like, because you got to think before they started doing movies like Private Saving Private Ryan, it was basically like John Wayne, where you know, helmet strap undone, like, come on, men, let's go fight more Nazis. Like, it was just like, it, it was there was no like there was I, I wouldn't say there was no realism. Everything was heroic about it, and like in yeah. this one, there's a scene in there that that like really in Private Ryan. Private Ryan is the same way too, but like it, it's that's what I love about movies though is, is especially like. That I feel like that's Spielberg at his best. When Spielberg does frenetic really, really well, where you're mm. just like, there's a lot of stuff going on, and you're like, holy crap. And mm. like, mm. he also does dark humor really, really well, too. Where the one dude gets hit in the helmet with a shell, 
And he oh, takes his yeah. helmet off. And he's like, hey, guys, check it out. I got hit in the helmet. And then, boom, right through his forehead. And I was like, ooh. You shouldn't ouch. have taken your helmet off, dude. They tell, you, they, tell you, they tell you that in basic training. Never take your helmet off. And that's what, that's what happened. Um, and one guy had just been like, lucky bastard. Yeah. You know, I, real quick, another scene yeah. that gets me in that is, yeah. uh, you know, when they've used the Bangalore to get almost they're at the base of the cliff oh yeah and tom hanks is like all right smith jones rogers harris go you know yeah. and these guys go and they get wasted and he's like all right martin lewis all right yeah, your turn go you know and he's he looks again and it's like damn you know? it's like, oh, i keep sending guys over there and the machine gun gets cut and keeps cutting them down and i was like damn yeah yeah it's uh, did you did you guys know that vin diesel was in that movie Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I yes. didn't. I didn't realize it the first time I saw it until like years later. I was like, "Oh, that was Vin Diesel." Oh yeah. Like, and well, I mean, he got wasted early in the movie too. But yeah, like. Yeah. Well, well, he wasn't Vin Diesel back then, though. You know, yeah. <laughs> he was like, "Oh, who's this guy?" You know? Yeah. So I mean, um, Danson's in that movie. Yeah. 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 And um, um, uh, Gian, uh, what's it? Ribsy. Um, Giovanna Ribisi. Yeah. Yes, exactly. He's in it, and you know. Yeah, got some other folks. Yeah, yeah. Just a, overall, just a, a good flick, man. I really enjoy it. Like, um, but let's um, we got one more topic in the geek sheets uh, for this week. So, Steve, go ahead and hit us with that next topic. Anytime, big release. We've been talking about these tentpole movies, these big ones. Uh, the trailer is always a big to do, and in this case, it was the Captain Marvel trailer. Um, I think we can just kind of get into the God, big guts movie. of it because we've talked about all the other topics that could possibly surround it. We've talked yeah. about big tentpole movies and box offices and home streaming and all the different aspects of a movie. This is really more just a time if you want to yeah. talk about the MCU, let's do it. This movie looks so dope. I am so excited about this movie. It's got scrolls. <laughs> I know. I know you're excited about scrolls, man. <laughs> I can't tell you how excited I am about scrolls. You yeah. know, I mean, scrolls started appearing in the Marvel universe back in FF number two, Fantastic Four <laughs> number two, uh, 1961, and they have been a mainstay of the Marvel comic book universe. You know, I mean, among the deadliest villains. You know, I mean, there was the Super Scroll, uh, for the Fantastic Four, and uh, you know, for them to, um, I mean, I, I appreciate that with the Fantastic Four rights being with Fox, they couldn't really do scrolls before now. But you got it all back. Now you can have scrolls and they can be scrolls. We don't have to like, oh, the Chitauri or whatever. Yeah, we got real scrolly, scrolly looking scrolls. And if you're going to have the Cree, you got to have the scrolls because the Cree and the scrolls are perennial adversaries and that's been a big uh, area of the marvel comics universe for a long time so that was one of the things i was really excited about oh and you got captain marvell uh, jude law is marvell apparently yeah has that been confirmed yes yeah yeah mm -hmm. okay you've also got um not monica rambo her mother um maria. yes thank you maria rambo maria. is in this mm -hmm. and on the side of her plane it says photon and that is awesome like I'm, I'm like they're gonna throw all of them in here this is so awesome like it's, <laughs> it's so cool and like one of the things and and i'm really interested in this um a, a common ggr contributor and also uh, a friend of ulysses campbell uh and that would be uh philip jean pierre 
mentioned that he, he was talking about this trailer and he said, man, people don't know about Captain Marvel, how messed up her life is. And they're going to get to see it on the big screen. And like, I, I can't wait. Like, I wonder how much of this we're going to see. Like, cause Carol Danvers has seen some shit and I am curious how much we're actually going to get to see in this movie. And I mean, there's no way they're doing like binary, right? Like they're not doing any of that crap with the brood. Do they have, does, does Marvel even have rights to the brood? They do now. I don't even like. Uh, I don't, yeah, was they that should. With yeah, because that was with X Men. Right, 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 right. Because that was. Yeah, that's right. Because the whole thing was, what wherever the character originated, that's how they decided who had rights to what. You know, usually, unless where you know, and the only reason I say that is because adamantium originated in the Avengers, and uh, in fact, Ultron uh, rebuilt himself out of adamantium, but adamantium conveyed with the x-men because it became such a big thing because wolverine's bones were adamantium you know so yeah usually what you said except in really unusual cases where for whatever reason a particular thing becomes so associated with something else not necessarily where it came from so yeah i guess they could skirt that because adamantium is not technically a character you know what I mean? Like it's mm. part of the property or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, no, the the real pressing question is: Will any of the scrolls end up as cows and as hamburgers? That's, <laughs> I think the fans want to know. Are people going to get mad cow disease from scroll meat? That's, <laughs> that's what we want to know. <laughs> Inquiring <laughs> minds want to know. <laughs> that, that's a deep cut for you nerds that <laughs> like comic books. Um, Jesus. Yeah, dude. I mean, Mike, how did it feel to see Blockbuster Video on on the screen there? <sighs> Wistful. Um, no, it was. I mean, it was. It was cool. Like, it just. It's funny that like that's how they. Um, it, it's Blockbuster is so ingrained with our society of hey, this was the '90s that they were like, how do we tell people that it's the '90s? Blockbuster, like, and everybody immediately knew. They were like, yeah, no, it's definitely the '90s. And it was it was kind of cool because as soon as she lands in there, and I was like, oh, I remember those shelves. Oh, that's awesome. Like, it was it was so stupid, but like it was it was a very cool knowing nod to know that they're going genuine with this. It's like it's literally like they found like old blo- like a warehouse where all the old blockbuster stuff was stocked and they were like, "Yeah, let's just create one ourselves real quick." Like that was that was pretty cool. I, I really appreciated that. Yeah, they um, probably had to build that. You know, it's the same kind of thing for uh, Wonder Woman 2 or oh, yeah. Wonder Woman 1984 or whatever. You know, I mean, those people who remember Commander Salamander down in Georgetown yeah. and I mean, they they took great pains to recreate the look of Washington DC in 1984 yeah i think it's i think it's gonna be cool i'm I'm excited about it um also though in a funny moment um of somebody trying to be a misogynist prick um to uh captain marvel herself um they posted on twitter that people make it's a it's a whole sexist thing where guys are always like trying to tell women that they need to smile more often um, and somebody did that, and then what they did was is they photoshopped all the stills from the um, like all the stills that were released for the Captain Marvel uh, release, and they put a smile on Brie Larson's face, and she got really oh, wow. she got really pissed, and she countered it by taking all of the MCU uh, heroes like Iron Man, Captain America, and putting smiles on all of their faces, and it was fucking hilarious because it was just <laughs> like, oh, you think you're funny? Hey, I'm gonna do the same thing, and you'll see how ridiculous this actually is. Like it was just it was a very cool 
very cool thing for her to do without really – and she didn't even, like, go off on any diatribe. She was just like, oh, hey, that's cute. Look what I did and did the exact same thing. So, Yeah, people can people should smile more if there's something to smile about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. If you're hunting down shape-shifting weirdos, probably not a barrel of laughs at the time. Yeah, and, mm. and punching the grandma in the face, glorious. Can we talk that about that? That was like this scene that everyone's going off on. Yeah. Well, because she knew. She knew it was a scroll. Or maybe she's wrong. That would be even funnier if she was wrong. But like... uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I think well, it's that more so along the lines of people, like, people who don't know about the scrolls. Yeah. And they don't know that they're shapeshifters. And they're like, why is she hitting an old woman? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so out of place if you don't know. Yeah. I, I really like the way that they've framed this story, though, because in the trailer, they already tell you what kind of story it's going to be. And she's just like, um, when she's in the car with Samuel L. J. Oh, I'm sorry, with Nick Fury, and um, he's like, you know, you look like you're you're from here, and he and she's like, it's a long story, and then she start, kind of explains, she's like, I have these flashes, like I had a life here, so we know that she was a pilot, and something happened, and now she's this super powered badass, and she's back on Earth. But why is she back on Earth, and what happened to her, and how does she not remember? So it'll be a very interesting story. Um, I mean, I can't, I can't wait. I think it'll be, it'll be really good stuff. And like, never once did I say to anybody or think to myself, "Man, why does this have to be a girl?" And like, that was the best part about it is that this is just going to be a good damn movie, and I don't think anybody is going to have anything to say about it because that seems to be the thing. Is everybody's like, "Oh, well, they're just trying to force diversity on us," and. I don't think anybody's going to be able to say this with this movie. Oh, somebody, somebody surely is going to have something to say, but hopefully uh, the project itself uh, will, will shut them up. You know, I mean, again, like Wonder Woman. I mean, you can say whatever you want. Wonder Woman is the star. Wonder Woman is the hero. And, you know, Steve Trevor has got to make a, take a back seat, you know? And so, you know, I mean, now I heard less about it with that movie because... I think she was the more established character and, you know, more's the pity that there hadn't been something bigger done with that character along the lines of a Superman or a Batman, you know, like, like has been done with them, you know, for so many years, but uh, Captain Marvel or Ms. Marvel or, you know, the Carol Danvers character is, um, is relatively obscure. And uh, so uh, the other thing that I think is interesting about this movie, they're not doing, you know, like the standard, origin story you know like same way that they did with black panther um you know they're just kind of bringing you in and all right this person is here and they're already heroing and you know we're just running with it you know so um you know because i think there's there's uh, apparently a lot of people are tired of the origin and getting the person to you know where they are in the suit and flying around and doing the thing you know so, I yeah. mean, me personally, I think it's a necessary evil, but, you know, hey, what do I know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it is and it isn't. I, I think that a creative way of doing it is always, is always a, um, a challenge. And that's, that's kind of what we talked about, too, is all of us want to see creativity because that's a common knock on Hollywood is that it's, it's just not creative anymore. They're just taking whatever they can and, and thinking they'll squeeze the biggest dollar amount out of it with the least amount of uh, effort. But I think with this, with Cap, with Captain Marvel, because like you said, it's not a well-known property. You're going to have a lot of flexibility and you're going to be able to tell a really awesome story um, and do it with giving the ladies a chance of Marvel to shine. Because 
we've seen a little bit with um, with uh, uh, Black Widow. We've seen a little bit with Scarlet Witch, but like we're really gonna get to see a female character shine, and like I can't wait now that the X Men are part of the Marvel um, Cinematic Universe because some of the the best episodes or best episodes best issues of the x-men when i was a kid reading them would be ones where you had nothing but female leads like storm is a badass gene gray is a badass i mean like rogue like you want to tie in right there rogue and captain marvel have a really weird history and that would be a really interesting way to tie these things in together so yeah that was the most disappointing thing of the original x-men fox stuff is halle berry storm Taking such a kick-ass character and making it so not. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I still don't understand, like, the line in the first X-Men movie. She's like, do you know what happens to a toad that gets hit by lightning? <laughs> Same thing that happens to everything else. Well, what? Wait. Does, something, does, it, does it explode? What happens? She never, she never explained <laughs> it to us. Well, you know, they couldn't decide whether she had an accent or whether she didn't or, yeah, you know, all hell? kind of that. that, that was, there, hey, but I still like that movie. And it was a very good representation of the X-Men for the time, you know? I mean, it's... It, and the other thing that I think is noteworthy about those movies, as opposed to the usual way things went with movie sequels, X-Men made a certain amount of money, X-2 made more money than X-Men, and X, X-3, The Last Stand, made more money than X-2. That never happens. Always, the sequels make less. And in that case, the sequels made more. You know, so yeah, I think I mean I think X two is a better movie than the first one, but um, oh, definitely. And the third one, oh, was and the just... source material it's based off. Have you ever read that comic? Yeah, uh, yes. yeah. Oh, dude, that I mean, that'll cut you to the core. Oh yeah, yeah. With with Jason, yeah, like that. Oh <sighs> yeah, yeah. Williams. I mean, I like the way they adapted it for the film, where they yeah. made him military instead of like a like a like a reverend if i'm remembering correctly mm-hmm. yeah i think it just worked better for the film yeah but the actual full story of god loves man kills that scene where he's like pointing to nightcrawler and everything i mean it, it is such a good story it really i is. mean like it's a bad story you know like the, <laughs> like kind of the the characters and everything but like when you actually watch or read it you're just thinking like oh i'm not the same as i was before this <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it hits, yeah. It, hits it to the core. Well, very, very talented the way that um, Marvel used uh, mutations and those stories as sort of an allegory for uh, racism and anti-Semitism and uh, basically any kind of uh, prejudice you want. You know, you can kind of read into that. And, uh, you know, those, those characters, I mean, I, I as much as I like the Avengers and the Fantastic Four, um, you know, the X-Men are very special. I was actually thinking about this just a couple of days ago because, um, you know, the X-Men was my favorite comic for uh, for a while there. I mean, that uh, when they reintroduced them, I remember because I, I was one of the people who bought Giant Size X-Men number one. I mean, they had been, the X-Men, they still had their own book, but it was all, it was reprints and you didn't see them, but as uh, guest characters in other people's books, like Captain America or something like that. And uh, then when they basically brought them back, and uh, and it was the new X Men, and uh, it, oh my goodness! I mean, and like I said, I was all in. I was all in. They were great stories. Yeah. Uh, Dave Cockrum doing the art, 
and uh, you know Lynn Ween initially, and then uh, Chris Claremont writing the things, and uh, you know then Cockrum left the book, and John Byrne came on, and it just got better, and it was like, whoa! I mean, whew. Chris Chris Claremont famous x-men stories that might be a tease for this week's geek sheets on something that came out oh yeah the trailer for uh yeah i like that good good i like that steve look at you teasing right as i was about to say (laughs) hello right as i was about to say we are just about out of time here um guys i want to thank everybody um i didn't get a chance to do it because he's having some internet issues at the hotel in Baltimore, because, I mean, there's a million people there. So, like, I can understand where they would have some bandwidth issues uh, as far as the internet goes. But MC Brooks, uh, big thanks to him for giving us a little uh, rundown on what's happening at Baltimore Con up in Baltimore, Maryland, at the Baltimore Convention Center, which you guys should check out if you get a chance. Um, but also, too, Yuli, I wanted to thank you for jumping on here, man. Um, let's give you a, a little bit of plug here, too. In fact, I will let you plug your own stuff. What kind of stuff do you got going on? in your uh, exciting world of geekdom. Oh, well, that's very, uh, very generous of you, uh, Mike. I uh, do a uh, television show and a radio show called Fantastic Forum, uh, which you can find out more about if you go to the website at fantasticforum.tv. And um, I also do a uh, morning radio show on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. From seven to nine, it's called Arlington in the morning, and uh, I am uh, involved in a whole bunch of other stuff that uh, takes up my time and sees to it that I get very little sleep <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> yeah, and uh, absolutely delighted to have been invited to be a part of GGR for this evening. Uh, really love what you're doing. Uh, I, I and hey, you're welcome <laughs> for throwing Steve that bone there. <laughs> Didn't even know I was throwing it, but that was very quick, Steve. You picked up on that and yeah. uh, capitalized on it. That's wonderful. Yeah. So, um, you know, so thank you. Of course, of course. I want to give a couple shout outs here too uh, to some to some listeners, uh, to some um, other podcasters and creative folk out there who are doing their thing as well. Uh, I wanted to thank the people in the Mixler chat group uh, that have been listening to uh, GGR Pirate Radio. That is Jeremy Kaylee, or Jay Lee as he is known, on Rock Deep Rogue Radio. You can check out his podcast. It is called Real Life with Jay Lee. He's got a new episode up. Uh, he had just watched the movie uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and kind of pontificated on that. Like, if you could erase your memories of a bad breakup, would you do so? Really great episode. You should definitely check it out. It's rockdeeproguradio.com. I also wanted to thank Miss Charmaine Tabron for listening tonight. She is also known as Charmaine the Chauffeur. She is MC Brooks's ride down here to Fredericksburg when he comes uh, live in studio. Uh, we also had some appearances uh, from Miss uh, Yolanda Harvey, who is also on Rock Deep Rogue Radio. She does a show called uh, Rogue Sports with Yo and Mika. You can check her out on rockdeeproguradio.com as well. Uh, but I also wanted to give a shout-out to uh, Mr. James Rambo, who couldn't join us. We're working on his new schedule. He's got a new job. Uh, he'll be coming back sometime soon to talk about um, Don't Waste Your Time with Crappy Media, some stuff you can watch on TV that's worth your time. Uh, also to Mr. Philip Jean-Pierre, a great writer, does some really, really good reviews. In fact, there's one up on uh, the GGR uh, group page that we have uh, that he just did for a new series, and I am pulling it up right now. I know it is a Marvel animated series, uh, uh, Rising Secret Warriors, Marvel Rising Secret Warriors is what it's called. 
Um, he did a spoiler-free review. You can check it out right there. So uh, definitely give it a look. Um, but also, too, there's a second GGR out there, guys. Did you know this? No. Yes, yeah, okay. I did. <laughs> so you know this because you know the people. Steve, there's another podcast out there. They don't go by GGR, but they're the their abbreviate or their acronym technically is GGR as well. And it stands for Geek Girl Riot. And it is friends of ours. It's Soma. It is Shireen. Uh Phil is on there as well. Um, they do great stuff. And it is on Adobe Radio, which is Adobe.com. You can check it out. Uh Geek Girl Riot. Uh, I listened to their uh, podcast on I want to say it was Tuesday night at 11 on Adobe radio. And it was really entertaining. I really enjoyed it. So I'll have to tune in more often, uh, but wanted to give them a shout out as well. But guys, that is all the time we have for this evening. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you're reading our articles. Cause we got lots of good stuff. I just reviewed season one of Jessica Jones, which is like, I don't know, three years late, but that's okay. Um, because I finally watched it really, really enjoyed it. So check that out. I am writing a uh, review of iron fist season two, which I also reviewed, and we will talk about most likely next week. Um, we'll talk about the geek sheets for next week. We'll talk about Iron Fist Season 2. Um, but in GGR Pirate Radio fashion, we are going to end. With Africa. Because that's what Bring we do. It home, baby. But we've got the Weezer cover of Africa. Why Weezer, you may ask? Well, because I have a new podcast. It's called Stop Me If You've Heard This. It's about the stories behind the music, behind movies, behind TV, the stories that you thought you knew. Uh, my first episode that I ever did was about Weezer and their second album, Pinkerton. It's a really fascinating story, really cool, kind of motivating story, too, if you're a, a creator of anything uh, such as movies or music or any any art whatsoever. Uh, really uh, inspiring story. Did one about The Offspring, working on my third episode right now. So check that one out. It is Stop Me If You Heard This, if you look it up. Um, in fact, if you just go to greatgeekrefuge.com, there's a link right there. If you click on Podcasts, it'll take you right there, and there's a little button for you to subscribe. So I would appreciate it, and I would appreciate it if you listen and again, sent me some feedback. Um, always fun to hear what people think of the stuff we're doing. But Steve, any final thoughts? No, this was an excellent, excellent episode. I love chatting with you guys. I love the energy we bring together, and I love doing the Geek Sheets. Um, they drop every Monday, so if you're looking for the bullet point version of all the nonsense we've been talking about, that's where you want to go every Monday. Oh, yeah, and let me definitely give you a, a round of applause for that. Uh, you keep me on my toes every time you write those because um, as your editor, reading them, I'm like, okay, what crazy name is Steve going to call me this week? Um, so... <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, and then whenever you look at the byline for Steve, that's my response to his crazy name that he came up with. So, like, for instance, uh, in this week's Geek Sheets, he calls me, um, there's nothing that th this trailer doesn't have. Fun fact, Supreme Leader and Resident, Resident Evil expert Mike the Rock Lunsford used to work at Blockbuster. Um, and then I called him Stone Cold Steve Monick, Executive Vice President of Overseas Operations and Chief Baby Rocker to Sleep. Um, because the last time Steve and I talked, he was rocking his son to sleep, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's a constant back and forth. So you should check those out. And that's it, that's just for you inside podcasts. Like these, those are the hardcore fans. These are the facts that no one else knows but you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You gotta. Yeah, these are these are Easter eggs, if you will. Um, so make sure you subscribe to all of our podcasts. We've got a bunch of them. There is the uh, GGR Pirate Radio, the original one. We've got. Um, 
stop me if you've heard this. We've got a new one that I just put out. We did one just for the Geek Sheets. It's the Geek Sheets podcast. So you can check that one out and subscribe if you like hearing just us talk about nerdy news. In fact, there's another thing that GGR is involved with, and that is the podcast for Fantastic Forum, which is Yuli's show. Uh, Right now, it's kind of like a best of uh, Fantastic Forum as we put more of his episodes on there. But stay tuned. There'll be more coming. Trust us. We're, We're working on getting them out there as fast as we possibly can. But for Ulysses Campbell, Ulysses E. Campbell, I'm sorry, Ulysses every goddamn day, Campbell, <laughs> uh, for, for Stone Cold Steve Monick, uh, I'm Mike The Rock Lunsford, and this has been GGR Pirate Radio. This has been Pirate Radio Network Production Juice Bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy! <laughs> <laughs>